Welcome to Church in the North, a podcast by ministry leaders and for ministry leaders. I'm your host, Rob Chartrand, Program Coordinator for Christian Ministry at Briarcrest College. And I'm joined by my co-host, Jeff Dresser, Assistant Professor of Worship Arts. Say hello, Jeff. Hey, Rob. And our guest co-host, Caitlin Brennan, the Imperial Grandmaster of Youthquake. Say hello, Caitlin. Hello, Rob. Hello, Jeff. And, of course, Dan Goddard is still away this week, lost somewhere in the wilderness, but he'll be back next week. So, hey, Caitlin, uh, I don't think uh, Imperial Grandmaster of YQ is your official title. So what is your official title? Well, I, you know, I am going to put in a request for a change because now that you've brought that to my attention, <laughs> I think it suits the role much better. But Director of Youthquake is the official title. Okay. Well, uh, what on earth is Youthquake? How would you explain it to our listeners? Uh, Youthquake is a youth retreat. Uh, We actually have two, a senior high and a junior high that take place in the spring right here on our campus. And yeah, the vision is just to disciple teenagers and equip youth workers. So we bring youth groups to our campus and we have two really fun weekends and that's about it. Yeah. You know, I had heard, uh, maybe you heard this, Jeff, but like the days of youth rallies are done, like youth retreats are totally over. Uh, And that COVID was like the the, kind of the nail in the coffin. But Mm. uh Actually, we've had a couple of good, really good years, haven't we here? What's, what have been the numbers looking like? Yeah, so the last two years since COVID, the first year, I would say it was probably looking that way and a little more nervous than any other year heading into a YQ weekend. Right, and that's important because it's job security for you, right? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, so yeah, the first year was, you know, a little shaky, but we still brought in, um, between the two weekends, the same amount of students that we would have on a typical YQ weekend pre-COVID, which was really exciting. And to have the two age groups and more specific content for for the different retreaters attending was was really cool to see. And we got great feedback. So we decided to do it again for the second year. And it really worked out in our favor for the senior high weekend. We actually sold out. We hit, um, yeah, a number that we haven't seen in over 20 years at Youthquake, which was really exciting. And our junior high event, even though it was a little bit smaller, still grew quite a bit from the first year that we ever run it. So... Yeah, really encouraging, and we're just excited to see what happens this year. Now, we had, like, some surprise numbers, didn't we? Like, wasn't there a glitch in the computer or something? You know, I, everything is advancing except, I think, my registration system, and I say that <laughs> um, lightly because it is, it is getting better. But, um, yeah, it was one day we looked at the numbers, and we said, okay, they're coming in. It's looking yeah. good. And the next day, it was like stop registration, close it all down. We're at capacity. And I don't really know what happened there, but uh, it was obviously a blessing. And uh, we're so thankful that, you know, people were just so excited to come. And we closed registration a month before the weekend started, which I don't know if that's ever happened. So Hmm. really exciting uh, to see. Well, you know, I grew up in Moosejaw. I I was a youth pastor in Moosejaw for years. um, And I have never been to a YQ until this year. Uh, it was my first YQ and it was awesome. It was, as the young people would say, it was lit. It was <laughs> lit. Jeff, were you at YQ this year? Uh, yeah, I was at, uh, at YQ at both the, uh, the senior high and the junior high. It was yep. awesome. And I just want to say, uh, you're 
treating our guest pretty savagely here. First, you're telling her that you that youth rallies are over, I and know. then you're then uh, bringing up the registration glitches, and then you say you've never been to a YQ until this year. That's, Don't forget the comments that, about bad. job security. Yeah, I know. Like that. That's we're not going to be able to get any more guests to come on this if you keep treating them this way. Well, um, it's all in jest. Uh, but I did think that with Caitlin here, we should be doing a more youthy air quotes mm. episode. So um, I thought we play a little bit of game, a uh, bit, bit, bit of a game together, uh, and it's called Guess That Slang. So I uh, went online uh, because I'm trying to be hip and cool, and I looked up some Gen Z slang, and I want to see if you can guess what these words mean. So I'm going to say the word, and then you guys can comment and tell me what you think it means, and I'll let you know if you're right or wrong. And Caitlin, because you know, you're know you closer to the mm. youth and you're working with Gen Zs all the time, you should get 100% on this. Um, so here's here's a phrase. It's a glow up. Does anyone know what a glow up is? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> you want to guess? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna. Um, it sounds positive. Like glowing sounds positive. So I'm gonna go with something generally positive. Well, that's vague. <laughs> Caitlin, that, do you know what it that is? That is vague. I think I do know this one. I think this is when there's a stark difference between maybe like childhood photos or like younger photos to older ones. Like you, you glowed up as you grew up. Oh, you glowed up. Okay. I I think. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's actually a makeover or transformation from bad to good. So I need to go get a glow up. Okay. So I was kind of right. Yeah. You're kind of right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's facial appearance. Um, (laughs) How about this one? Uh, I I was also not wrong. Positive. (laughs) You were not wrong. Very, very positive. If you can be as vague as possible, Uh, like like a good politician, uh, yeah, you'll (laughs) never be wrong and get elected. Okay. So uh, how about this one? Sip tea. Mm, I know this one. I know. uh, Tea is gossip. It's gossip for sure. Yes. Spill tea is, I think, what. But yeah, sip, I don't know. Is, sip like, is like, like, oh wait, no, I, I think I only know spill the tea. Well, it's, like, it's actually the- like spill the tea, but you sit and listen to gossip. Oh, so okay. hey, let's go and sip tea, shall we? Let's sit oh. down and talk about what's going on in um, Moose Jaw. Let's sip some tea. Okay. Um, what about snack? Oh, that has to do with appearance. Okay. I think. Like, you look... I'm going to go with generally I, positive. I can't look at either of you two while I say this, but you look like a snack yes, is how you'd use it that's in a right. sentence. Yes. So it would be an attractive person is a snack. How about simp? That sounds inappropriate. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. No, I'm going to go with a generally negative. Okay. Mm. <laughs> Me too. It's a someone who does way too much for the person they have a crush on. Oh, you're such a simp. Oh. Yeah. What, what, what is the etymology of simp? Um, I don't know. I did look up the etymology of a couple of these. That one I did not look up. Uh, okay. So, well, you so got you a, do you got a simpering, much. maybe simpering kind of person? I don't know. Uh, bougie. Oh, yeah. That's like rich, posh. Yeah. Like fancy or like yeah. you have like a certain taste and you always have to. Yeah. It's so bougie. Yeah. You're so bougie. Yeah. Yeah. The etymology would be of bougie like... is bourgeois. Bourgeoisie. Yes. Bourgeoisie. Okay. That's yes. basically Jeff with restaurants in Moose Jaw. Yes. He's you, bougie. You have bougie <laughs> restaurant tastes. <laughs> How about drip? That's clothing. Yeah. That's, that's fashion related. 
Okay, it's another way of saying swag. Oh. So it's a term for cool uh, trend or style. Yeah. Okay. How about L? I, I think L is like lost, like take the L. Oh. That's... Yeah. Yeah, That's it's the opposite of W. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, so generally negative. Lose. Yeah, generally <laughs> negative. Okay, this one I like. Take several seats. Take several seats? Yeah. Take several seats, man. Like you're really opinionated? Or something? Man, that's... Uh... Or like their, their personality fills a, a room? You need to take several seats. Is that... Oh, that's like... Uh... You need to butt out. Yeah, it's like oh. that. So it's like sit down and be quiet. But if someone's really getting on your nerves, like really, you might tell them, hey, you need to take several seats here. Like, so not just sit down, but oh. like really sit down. Like, which is like almost like going back to the Hebrew when they'd say things in oh triplicate, my. right? It's like, that's what I thought. Yeah. Like, if yeah. It's not two seats. It's three seats, it, it, right? It's, it's very helpful if you, if we hear you using it. Yeah, use it Then, use then you can in really sentence. infer I actually really like With that one. With your deep knowledge of the Gen Zs, it, it really is helpful. All right. Here's the last one. Dank. That's so dank. That's I think that's, that's one of these, like, that's, oh, that's bad. Like, but you mean good. That's one of those. Oh. oh. I think, I think that's, that's where we're going with that. Okay. So it, it sounds bad, but it means good. It's like good. ironically generally negative. I don't know <laughs> even what that means. Nice. Caitlin, any ideas? Yeah. I feel like I've only ever used that word to describe a gross bathroom. But if someone's using that to mean now good, I'm really lost. It actually means excellent or high no. quality. Yes. yes. <laughs> I know, right? Turning, turning language on its head is Gen Z and their slang. But every generation had slang. I mean, we, mm. we had slang in, in our days, like rad. Ooh. That's so rad. <laughs> so radical. Yeah. Um, but we go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just, I, I just blanked out on like I could not remember There's using any, any. I was more, more anti-slang, and I think mm. now um, because I grade papers from Gen Zs, I'm constantly saying in uh, commenting, "This is slang. Like, don't use this in an academic paper." So I'm trying to knock the slang out been, of those Gen Zs. Yeah, would have been funnier for you to bring some more than just rad slang from your generations, and then had like a little quiz on the podcast to say. Hey, Gen Z, do you know our slang? Well, Caitlin, if we have you back okay, on the now, podcast, now we're savage. going to we are going to put some slang together and see if you know what it means uh, from our generation. That would be really groovy. Um, yeah. Oh, groovy. my. You know the word that lasts forever is cool, though. Cool is always like... Always cool? Yes. Yeah, so, and that's been around since, wow, the 30s, I think. So, 30s, yeah. Yeah. So Lester Young. Yeah. Jazz. That's right. Saxophonist yeah. Yeah. is... Uh, mm -hmm. It's accredited to him that he brought up. Yeah. That he coined the phrase cool. Yeah. Wait, what? That's not, but it's like just a word. Well, but to use it as. It jumped something. from the jazz clubs into mainstream and yeah. it became. Oh. Yeah. It became. So I think you know, of happy days, generally cool, good and, and, yeah. and current and with it as opposed to, you oh. know, below 10 degrees Celsius. I yeah. see. Yeah. Well, hey, this past weekend, uh, I was part of a church anniversary at Hillcrest Church in, in Moose Jaw. Um, and they had the big celebration all weekend, and, and they asked me to preach on the Saturday night. And then afterwards... It was you just, only I, got the Saturday night. I only got the Saturday night. Oh, you know, well, they had well that's pretty good. Pretty good yeah, to get they had the different Saturday speakers night every thing, night. Yeah. It, it's because it's he's not, so... It's no Sunday morning, but Saturday night's okay. Yeah, it's because he's so relevant with the Gen Zs, and that's when they go to church. Yeah. I, I think yeah. you guys need to take several seats here for a minute. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> so, so uh, did so you preach this, a dank sermon? <laughs> it was dank. It was dope. It was lit. Um, so anyway, afterwards, uh, I invited my youth group over from after the event. So um, went over to my house, and you know, our youth group back then it rained. You know, it started with six kids, and by the end we had like 60, 70 kids. But we had twenty five. Mm-hmm middle-aged adults at our house from nine o'clock until 2 a.m. who were part of our that first youth group from way back when and uh, that was so amazing and uh, it was as impactful for me and and hopefully as impactful for them like it was just such Mm -hmm. an amazing time of reminiscing remembering we broke out like old photo albums and we're looking at these pictures from the mid-90s and whatnot Uh, so my question for you guys is uh, what impact has a youth ministry had in your journey um, what was your background in connecting? Jeff, did you have a youth group growing up? Uh, yeah, I had a youth group. We, we called it Young Peoples, though. So I would, hey, Mom, my, my ride's here. I'm off to Young Peoples. Um, <laughs> See, that could have been in the quiz, Young <laughs> yeah, Peoples. Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, a huge impact on my growth and sort of taking that step from from my faith sort of being my parents and my, and my families mm-hmm. to to becoming my own. And uh, yeah, I had a couple of youth pastors during my high school years that mm. were that were really influential and spoke into my life mm. and uh, affirmed things that they that they saw in me. And uh, and I don't think I would be I don't think I'd be in ministry if I if I hadn't had that mm. that experience. Mm. It was really formational for me. Wow, yeah, that's amazing. Um, I'm still hung up on peoples, young peoples, because mm. they had to remind you that you're actually people rather than just youth. <laughs> so you're young peoples uh, in plural form. But yeah. Okay. Um, how about you, Caitlin? Yeah. So I actually didn't grow up going to a youth group. I didn't really grow up going to church. I became a Christian later on in life, but it was more camp that had an impact mm. and, you know, cabin leaders and program directors and even the director of the camp I grew up going to uh, really helped um me early on as my faith was starting to develop. And there was a couple who worked at the camp who later on moved to my town. And it was, I think, because of that, you know, they kind of touched base with me and and kept tabs on me throughout my last two years of high school and and then prompted me to Bible school. So I think if it wasn't for them, it wasn't mm. quite a youth, formal youth group, but um, still very much an impact on uh, what I did after I graduated. And yeah, I don't think I'd be in the role I am now if it wasn't for the people who I think were just always kind of watching and making sure um, that they knew or that I knew rather that they were there and, and wanted to support me. So, yeah. 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 You know, my, my journey is similar to that. I mean, in my grade 12 year, I came to faith in Christ. Um, it was kind of an independent journey that was influenced mm-hmm. by Christians uh, who were part of a youth group, but um, mine was like Bible reading and uh, whatnot really impacted me. And I surrendered my life to Christ. But then I went to youth group, maybe for one or two week, uh, months, um, because it was like late in my grade 12 year, but I'd never mm-hmm. really been part of a youth group. Um, and then two years later, I became a youth pastor, which is mm-hmm. really strange because I had no idea what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Never taken a youth course and I had to make you know, lead a youth group. So basically those first kids in my youth group, the ones that were over, uh, were lab rats. I basically (laughs) experimented on them every single week. I had no idea what I was doing, but, uh, um, it was transformative, I'm sure for me and for them, because all I knew was, uh, Jesus had saved me and Mm. I loved him and I wanted to pass that on to the next generation. So Mm. youth groups are pretty important. Youth ministries are, are pretty important. Um, and so uh, for all of our youth leaders who are listening in, uh, we thank you and we bless you. And we're mm-hmm. so glad for the work that you do. And for our lead pastors, I think we should 
declared today National Hug a Youth Pastor Day. So just uh, go find your youth pastor and give them a good, affectionate Christian side hug and uh, <laughs> thank them for the work uh, that they do. Mm. Um, all right. So we've got a podcast coming up, uh, interview with uh, a very fantastic uh, pastor from Edmonton, Alberta. His name is Nahom Okbatense. So he is the lead pastor of Living Christ Church in Edmonton. It is an ethnically Eritrean church. So Eritrea, if people don't know, it's from Africa, but we'll get into that on the podcast. And we're going to hear about his journey uh, from fleeing persecution in Eritrea to planting a church in Canada. Um, We're also going to talk about that church. We're going to talk about the uniqueness of a church like that. Uh, It's prayer that they do that's really powerful. Mm -hmm. And about the next generation of Eritreans, which I think has a lot to say about a lot of new Canadians and new Canadian churches and the challenges they might have in um, helping the next generation uh, live on the faith of their Mm -hmm. parents. So uh, I hope our listeners are inspired by this podcast. So Caitlin, thanks for joining us. We're so glad to have you here today. And Jeff as well. Thanks again. And we will see you next week. All right. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Jeff. Well, hey, we are so excited to have with us Nahom Okbatense, uh, a pastor who's in Edmonton, Alberta, at the Living Christ Alliance Church. Uh, Nahom, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, why don't you um, take a moment and introduce yourself to us? Uh, let's just start with something simple. Why don't you tar- start with yourself, uh, with your family? Tell us about your family. Oh, thank you for inviting me again. Uh, uh, I am married to uh, Fikadu Zere and I have four kids, uh, three boys and one girl. And uh, my oldest is a girl. Her name is Moriah, and she's about to turn 17. Wow. Uh, coming September 11. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and Christian, uh, he's about to, to turn 15, coming November. And Roy, uh, he's going to be 13. And uh, we have a little... A little after nine years gap, a mm. uh, little boy, his name is Liam, and he's uh, turning five. Wow, wow, that's quite a spread uh, of children yeah. there. And you've got teenagers, so you're in the teenage father uh, stage of life as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, now, um, for those who are listening to the podcast, uh, what may not be obvious to everyone is is that you uh, you have an accent, and that accent is African, and more particularly, it's Eritrean. Um, and so you pastor an Eritrean in Edmonton, and of course, your congregation are mostly Eritreans. Uh, so tell everybody who's who's listening in. I, I mean, Eritrea is located on the Horn of Africa, north of Somalia, kind of west of Sudan, for those who, who know their geography. But but can you tell us a little bit, what can you tell us about your beautiful homeland? What's it like in Eritrea? Yeah, Eritrea is uh, a very historic, a very historic country. Uh, most of the Canadians or uh, I would say the North Americans, they don't know much about Eritrea. Mm-hmm. They know much about Ethiopia. Uh, I think this is because uh, Eritrea was part of uh, Ethiopia. 
uh, it was annexed uh, in 1952 <coughs> yeah. uh, after the Second World War uh, to Ethiopia. Uh, and uh, the people of Eritrea fought for their in- independence for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, it was a bloody, bloody uh, mm. a struggle for independence. But uh, we got our independence in 1991. Mm. Uh, then again, uh, Eritrea, geographically, uh, we have about 1,000 kilometers of coastal uh, land and about 300 uh, islands and uh, different seasons. If you go mm-hmm. from the highland to the lowland, you can experience three seasons in two hours. Wow. Uh, wow. There are nine ethnic groups in Eritrea. The majority are the Tigrinya speaking group, which I am from. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my wife is from another ethnic group. It's called Belen. Uh, so two languages in one home. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yeah, Eritrea is uh, uh, populated between uh, Christians and Muslims, 50-50. Hmm. The majority of the Christian believing uh, people are the Orthodox Church and the Protestant Church and the uh, Catholic Church. Uh, the other half is the Sunni Muslim. So these two mm. people were living side okay. by side without any conflicts for centuries. Uh, Eritrea is also believed to be the first uh, African country to receive uh, Islam. And the first mosque is built in Eritrea. And at the same time, also, it is also the the, the the first place for Christians to arrive in Africa. So there are the first uh, monastery in Africa, and there is also the first mosque uh, that's built by the Islam. So you can see Eritrea is a gate to, to Africa through mm. Yemen mm. in the Red Sea, because Eritrea is located in the very strategic area in the Red Sea. So uh, uh, after we got our independence, uh, the uh, the the force that led the armed struggle became the government. And the government had the ideology of uh, communism. So in 1998, the government started to harass the uh, reformed uh, churches in Eritrea. So anything that is new and reformed becomes a threat to the government. That's what they think, but it's it's obviously the opposite. Then in uh, 2000, the government of Eritrea officially closed all the reformed churches, including uh, all the uh, uh, 
reformed Orthodox believers also. So the government started to uh, handpick all the leaders and put them in prison since then, since 2001 or two. Uh, uh, the persecution started to be to, to be to uh, start to be uh, worse and worse uh, by day, and now at this time, uh, all the all the churches are underground working. Okay. Well, that um, that brings us right into your story of coming to Canada. And, uh, you know, you've been in Canada since 2011. So I'd love for listeners to hear uh, your story of how you came here, um, particularly uh, how it's connected to what was happening in your own country. So can you walk us through that? How did you make your way to Canada? Oh, it's a long story. <laughs> I will try to make it short, though. Um after the uh, government started banning all the churches, uh, especially the Pentecostal and Reformed churches, I, uh, I was a full-time minister with one of the biggest denominations in Eritrea. It's called the Kalehiwat Church of Eritrea. And uh, in that... Uh, yeah, yeah. Around the... Uh, around 2001 and 2002, when, when it's about to start the persecution, I was sent away to minister to churches in uh, small towns and cities. So while I was staying in the, in the city of uh, Karen, uh, where I found my wife, uh, the government, the, <laughs> the security forces was following me and... Uh, uh, at the end, they called me up and they put me, they throwed me in the prison. And uh, after that, I, I escaped. Uh, so how I escaped was a long story, but, uh, you know, uh, I used uh, my uh, uh, identity card that was given to me by the government as a uh, teacher, as an elementary teacher, and uh, okay, so so your your teacher card. Yes, it was the teacher's card. Uh, then I was off of the prison cell uh, and continue ministering in other city that's called Adjohala. Uh, I stayed there for about one year, and again. It happened, the government tried to persecute me and uh, harass me and uh, the security forces were coming to my home and following me everywhere I go. Then uh, we decided to get married with, the, uh, with my wife. Uh, then I moved I came to the capital city, Asmara. We got married and the brothers and sisters over there, they told me not to come. Uh, then I had nowhere to go but to leave the country. So we prayed uh, with my wife together mm. 
and uh, uh, we felt that God is leading us to leave the country and we left the country on foot for nine days and nine nights. Uh, it was a horrible, horrible journey. Wow. Uh, because you, we were only allowed mm. to walk through the nights, not during the day. Uh, so uh, it was... Uh, right. But in all of this, God was there and protecting us from so many harms, from wild animals, from snakes, from uh, rivers, you know, uh, from enemies, mm. from the security forces in every uh, spot uh, uh, scattered over the uh, border area. But finally, we arrived to the border, Sudan, and uh, we uh, uh, surrendered ourselves to the uh, army forces and the army forces took us to the town Kasala and from there they took us to refugee camp then we managed to move on to Khartoum uh, so we stayed in Khartoum for about six years as refugees asylum seekers uh, we have applied uh, for Canada. So, so were there a, a large number of Eritreans in the area that had uh, fled to Sudan? Oh yeah, yeah, a large number. Uh, we fled to Sudan in two thousand and five. Um, so it's like it's like a wave of uh, people coming into Sudan. Uh, most of them are youth uh, from uh, 16 years to 40 years of age. Uh, mostly yeah. uh, men. Uh, women were, yes, uh, following the men, but mostly were uh, men. Uh, so we stayed in Sudan for about six years. And as I have told you, uh, we were able to apply for Canadian sponsorship program. And we, st we, we waited for yeah. the interview. We waited three years for the interview. And finally, we were managed to come to Canada. But during those uh, six years, hmm. God has... Wow. Uh, used me and my wife, uh, starting a Bible school, uh, training uh, leaders, and helping the church grow there. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a good time. It was a good time, really. Wow. So is it was like uh, I think of the story of the the book of Acts when they're in Jerusalem and then they get forced out and they are forced to go to a country that's not their home uh, and while they're there they just simply continue mm -hmm. doing what they're doing which is proclaiming the risen Christ. Yeah, exactly. That's what is happening. You know, um, uh, there was a kind of prophecy that we used to hear those missionaries who came to preach the gospel to Eritrea, they were 
they were just dreaming and uh, uh, prophesying that the uh, Eritrea is going to be a gospel island for all the Muslim countries, for the Arab world. And uh, yeah, uh, when the church was persecuted by the government, God used that persecution just uh, to preach to the other uh, ethnic groups. Uh, let's say in Sudan, uh, the Sudanese people uh, allowed us to preach the gospel, to gather together and to do conferences and crusades. Even uh, the people, some of the people were coming to the Lord, but there was a great caution uh, because, you know, if anybody tries to come uh, to the Lord from a Muslim family or from a Muslim background, all the family are against him and he is uh, condemned to death. So uh, there were Eritrean Muslims that I know that they came to the Lord and they became uh, like missionaries to the Sudanese people. So during those uh, training uh, years, we were managed to send six people to different areas of the uh, community in Sudan. And when they go out for preaching and uh, God was with them and there was uh, 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 miracles happening, souls come to the Lord, or deliverances, and uh, a lot of things happened. Uh, but uh, when the South Sudanese was getting separated from Sudan, the government of Sudan became so strict and uh, yeah, uh, there was no, the, the freedom was limited, it became limited, but we were still doing good. Uh, uh, multitudes were coming to know the Lord. It was a great blessing. I, I, I can witness that God hmm. works during persecution, during hard times. Hmm. He is not hmm. silent. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I can imagine that that the Sudanese government suddenly had all of these all of these people in their country and had to figure out how to manage that. And I mean, restrictions were probably the the easiest solution at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you you came to Canada, 2011. Yes. You 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 um, applied for sponsorship. You received it. You came as a as, as a refugee to Canada. Um, you were with your family. Uh, you got off of the plane and what did you think or what did you, what did you put your hand to? What, what was the first thing that you thought, when I get there, this is what I want to do? Yeah. Uh, before us, many people were coming, right? There were mm -hmm. a lot of people that they pass through the interview and they arrived to Canada and we hear a little, a little information. But when I and my family arrived in Canada, it was totally different. We mm. arrived during the um, worst 
winter time in February. <laughs> I'm so sorry, my friend. Khartoum, coming from a hot, hot area, and uh, you know it is, it is, <laughs> it is, it is a shock for us. Uh, and we were not prepared. We were not prepared. We don't know how to wear. Um, all our clothes were from uh, Sudan, right? And uh, mm-hmm. we were shocked. And now you're in Ed- Edmonton, Alberta. <laughs> it's one of our largest northern cities in the country. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. And uh, also the culture is uh, different. Uh the language is also a big barrier. Uh, there was a struggle, but with all those challenges, the one thing that I was thinking about was how can I plant a church and preach the gospel to all the people's group? Hmm. So that was hmm. my passion. So. Of course, I have to work. At the same time, also, I was planning to build up a church, to start a church. So I had to make plans to meet some people. And uh, we started from the scratch. The first meeting that we held in our home was uh, four people. Started Mm. praying and... uh, we start preaching every Saturday, and uh, we were taking uh, fasting and prayer uh, during uh, Saturdays. And you know, uh, God was faithful, and He had blessed us with the beautiful church. Uh, it's really a family. We 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 feel like we are real brothers and sisters, uh, like. Yesterday we had a picnic and we were laughing, we were enjoying, we were having fun and we were singing, we were praying, uh, we were discussing the word of God. It's such a blessing, you know. Um, It's been 12 years now since we first started the church, uh, but God was uh, leading us, giving us wisdom and grace in favor uh, and the Alliance Church was a great help all of that that's the uh, denomination you you connected with uh? the Alliance Church is the denomination that you connected with yes yes that you joined it's the as Alliance a church, church yeah. that we are uh, we are actually a member church we are a branch church okay. and uh, we are very okay. glad that uh, uh, we have this uh, Alliance denomination in our side, and uh, we we share the same vision, we share the same purpose, uh, we share the same passion. So uh, we had uh, the blessings, the the richness of uh, God's love and mercy, uh, working together with the Alliance denomination. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's, well, it is, it is the church, only the church that, that's, uh, the real place for a Christian, for a believer to live in, 
to commune mm. with and we are very glad mm. so um you 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 got off the plane you arrived in canada yeah. Um, and you began right away planting the church. Did you did you look for other work at the time, or did you just continue in this in in planting the church up to this point? I was uh, by vocation. I was working in a printing okay. press in a warehouse. Yeah. Yeah. While doing full time, yeah. the church preaching. Yes. Yeah. There's no the part time yeah. ministry is a myth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So are you still bivocational or are you full-time in pastoral ministry only? Uh, we can't say it's full-time. Uh, mm -hmm. Of course, the church uh, is paying me some money uh, yeah. for a part-time kind, but I'm working full-time. I'm not having any yes. other jobs. So, you know. Um, yeah. So you're fully invested and engaged in the work. Yes, I am. I am. Yeah, yeah. What's it? What's it been like for uh, members of your church to adjust to Canadian life? Oh, it is hard. It's hard. Many people don't understand. Uh, you know, uh, uh, persecution is not a good thing. It. 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 Uh, the, our people has ha, have passed through many many uh, traumas, war traumas, mm. uh, human trafficking traumas, and uh, you know, being a refugee is not an easy thing. Um, yeah. You are always vulnerable wherever you go to to uh, uh, all the problems especially our women, our girls, you know, uh, and some of them are raped. Some of them are, you know, it's, it's, when, you, when you sit down and hear the stories of each and every one of Eritrean youth uh, or Eritrean believer, he has his own story, a very mm. terrible story. So there are mm. emotional damages there are uh, mental damages with with all those things okay when you come to canada there are also cultural shock and language barrier mm. but uh thank god uh, it's it's one of the things that it's it's a blessing to be uh you know uh, a believer that you have a uh, father. Uh, hmm. So when we first, when the people first arrive here, it is it is obvious that it's going to be very hard to live in uh, in uh, to make a living in Canada. So even even if hmm. you have you had a good profession, but when you arrive in Canada, it's going to be nothing. If you have education, it's going to be mm. nothing. Everything you have is nothing. You start from the scratch. So, yeah, you're starting over, aren't you? Yeah. 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 So all our people are, you know, uh, immigrants. Uh, but we have also kids that are growing up, uh, born in Canada. 
So, yeah, there is also struggle raising our kids. Our kids are being raised into different uh, cultures, always. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a bit hard, but well, with all of all, yeah. all these things, the, the, our people are making, making it. So we involve mm. directly uh, in jobs working. Our people are very hardworking. And at the same time, helping uh, the families back home. Okay. Yeah. So you're raising money here so that you can send it back home to help families there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about next generations, um, the emerging generation of Eritreans who are coming up. Um, yeah. I think we, we talked about how in the past, a lot of ethnic churches in Canada are, are learning how they can help the next generation grow in their faith in a Canadian context. And, and, you know, this next generation are kind of in two worlds. They're in their, the world of their, their family of origin, but also they're in the world of Canadian culture. And, mm-hmm. um, I think the term for it is their, their third culture kids. And so, um, those kids face significant challenges, uh, different challenges than even kids just growing up in Canada. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. What kinds of challenges do new Canadians face with raising their kids in a Canadian context? Yeah, it's a big challenge. Uh, you know, the kids, the children are very fast in learning new things, in learning the language, mm-hmm. but the parents are way behind in everything. So yeah. there is a big gap. Uh, uh, even, even you know, uh, when if they if they came little, like four years or five years, most of them they came four years or five years, they lose their language, yeah. their mother tongue. So they go to English. Mm. So the parents are hard, uh, having hard times understanding them. Okay. But, we try to teach them their mother tongue, but you know, English is more powerful than any other <laughs> languages <laughs> that yeah. we have found. But later on in their ages, we see uh, interests that they uh, uh, want to uh, learn more about their uh, identity or their uh, mother tongue. Okay. But uh, during those times, uh, uh, it's it's a kind a kind of struggle that you have uh, you have one struggle that you are ma- you have to make a living you have to work and at the same time yeah. you have to raise the the, the the children so when it comes to the church there is two groups there are two groups the adult speaking. Mm-hmm the Tigrinya speaking group and uh, the youth or the uh, children uh, English speaking group so we have been yeah. fighting uh, how we can uh, come together and worship the Lord as a congregation but we couldn't so what we decided was as a church uh, once in a month during our uh, main worship services, uh, we introduce English services for mm. our youth mm. and kids 
to uh, help them grow in their faith. Uh, mm. And we found out that's a very good strategy. Uh, we give we give them all the opportunities to lead us in prayer, to lead us in worship, preaching, and singing, and do everything they want to do, like we do as a church. So they mm. prepare for this once in a, once in a month. And the other thing that we are doing is there are also other Tigrinya, Eritrean churches, which have used yeah. groups. So we came, the four pastors, we came together and we decided, hey, these are our kids, of course, but they are not going to stay with us. So what can we do? Um, it's okay to let them go to join other English-speaking churches. But at the mm. same time, yeah. if they want to come together and make a church or start a church, that's fine. So we are allowing to, uh, to come together uh, once uh, in, a, in a month on Friday and have a fellowship first. Then if that's yes. a good thing, we will continue and help them grow to becoming a full uh, church. Hmm. So, so that's that's, well, that's the fascinating. plan that we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, different ethnic churches often have to wrestle with that question of um, of how they integrate their children or their youth into their services when there's that language mm -hmm. barrier with their own mm -hmm. mother tongue. So the, the, the adults speak the mother tongue, but the children mm -hmm. don't all or don't do it fluidly or fluently. And so that's a, that's difficult for them, but it sounds like you, um, your church is willing to flex on one of your services and say, well, let's, let's lean into the English language, which most of our younger generation are speaking mm -hmm. and let's let them lead us, which is, which is yeah. fascinating. I mean, that's uh, uh, that just gives them empowerment and gives them an opportunity to lead as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, as, as as for me, I, I I wouldn't mind if it is all English. But mm. Mm. you know, there are also parents that they don't understand English. So yeah, there are also immigrants coming by day. Yes. So, yeah. What yeah. can we do with them too, right? So we have to, we yeah. have to embrace them. So this is this yeah. is two, 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 two extremes for us that we are going back and forth. But I think the solution is to make uh, or to start an English service for our youth, so they can grow and they can know uh, the Lord Jesus in a better way. And yeah. be a blessing yeah. to others also. That's the strategy. Don't we, we, The one thing that we have um, a burden is how can we communicate the gospel of God to the other ethnic groups in Canada? Hmm. So yeah. it is by uh, starting a, 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 an English service that all can understand and f all all people groups can come together without any producers and uh, hmm. and uh, enjoy God in their lifetime.
Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, one, one of the, um, one of the characteristics I appreciate so much about your church, uh, and, and just for the listeners to know uh, that you and I have a little bit of history together because uh, we shared yeah. the facility of Cross Point Church in Edmonton, yeah. Alberta. So Cross Point Church was the church that I planted, um, and there were different seasons where you were uh, kind of partnered with us in the use of the facility, and, and you're still in that facility yeah. now. So, so I, I, I've I've had a chance yeah. to. Um, to witness your church firsthand, and so one of the one of the characteristics I always was so appreciative of is the emphasis that your church has on prayer. So, why don't you tell us a little bit how how does your church pr- participate in prayer together? Yeah, um, we be, we all believe that uh, uh, prayer has a strong uh, uh, importance in our Christian life. Mm-hmm. and ministry and we give a priority to prayer we believe that prayer is the first work and service is the results so without mm. prayer our services have no fruits that's what we believe mm. so we give in yeah. ourselves to much prayer and uh, sometimes we add fasting and uh, uh, our people are used to uh, 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 spend time uh, in prayer, and our background also helped us. Most of us came from the Orthodox and Catholic Church, so yes, uh, there was. Yeah. Tell yeah, us about that. Uh, you, you know, in Orthodox Church, I was my background. My background was from the Orthodox Church. In Orthodox Church, mm-hmm. there are oh, a lot of times for prayer and fasting. 40 days of fasting. Yeah. Uh, another, there are two days in a week that you fast. So it is fasting mm-hmm. and prayer, fasting and prayer. Your whole life is like that. And uh, uh, our people are very conservative, very conservative. So to come from this religious background and know the truth and have the grace all the time, it is nothing for you to spend time in prayer and fasting. It's a joy, yeah. you know. It's, it's, it's sometimes you feel if you don't pray in a day, you feel like you have done a very great, great sin. Uh, I think mm. it's uh, it is it's how we are wired, you know. Uh, yeah. But there is also caution. It's we believe that uh, it's by grace and grace alone that is uh, God's work be done, right? So yes. Uh, so there is this temptation that uh, if you don't pray, you don't have, but. If you have the grace, you pray. There is there is there is a fighting, right? So yeah. sometimes it pushes you to work, but at the same time, it's a pleasure and enjoyment to spend to spend time in prayer with God. Uh, yeah. So in our church, we 
do uh, now and then three days of fasting and prayer, 21 days of fasting. Uh, uh, and we saw a great, a great blessing when we do those, mm. when we practice those things. You know, the answer is quick so, so, and tangible. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes us uh, to always stand firm and trust in God no matter what. So let's talk about that 21 days, because uh, when I heard this, I thought, wow, that's incredible. So your whole church, in my understanding, uh, will fast and pray together. And for youth and children, it's optional, right, because of, you know, they're yeah. still growing and whatnot. But 21 days, uh, liquids only, and corporately, the whole church participates in that. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. We only take yeah. uh, liquid juices, no hard food. Uh, mostly, we prefer drinking only water. Uh, yeah, it's voluntary for our kids, but we encourage them, we motivate them to do the same. Uh, hmm. We have done it many, many times. This twenty-one fasting, yeah. and it's good for your health too, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great for you, and and this is a, I mean, this is a means yeah. of grace. It, it's not a means of grace for you, but it's flowing out of yes. the grace of God. So, you know, it's not a works yes. righteousness thing for your church family. It's it's just a response to God's incredible love and His incredible gift to us through Christ. Yes, yes. Um, can I if if I was to to uh, participate, could I drink chocolate milk? Oh yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. Chocolate, chocolate is a liquid. <laughs> it's, it's a liquid, liquid. as long as it's a liquid. Um, what what about a a a milkshake or a Slurpee? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be Pharisees about this, right? I mean, uh, come on. <laughs> we encourage you only to take water. Water, water is good. No. Water, water is good. Yes. I think we believe that yeah, Christ and, uh, didn't have the uh, hard food, but uh, yeah. he was obviously using water. Yeah. And I mean, you can survive without food, uh, food for quite a long time, but you can't survive yes. without water for yes. very long. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you know, one of, one of the other things I, I appreciate about your your church is your your passion for uh, church planting, for multiplying workers for the gospel. Um, and you already had said you were doing that when you were in Sudan. You were training workers to go back or to go to different parts of yeah. the country to to preach the gospel. But you're you're doing that now here in Canada, aren't you? Um, I think you recently started doing some training uh, of workers here with a Bible school. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, uh, we were able to. This is, of course, God's uh, God's mercy and favor. You know, as I have said, there are language barriers, so. Mm -hmm. we, we, we like to send our, our leaders or our to-be leaders to Bible schools and training uh, colleges. But uh, there is language barrier and at the same time there is also financial issues. So we decided to start a training college here, a Bible school here, uh, with... Yeah. Uh, small affordability 
uh, and uh, we give quality uh, training and courses. So mm. we are working in a collaboration with the uh, global university. Uh, the the head the 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 main Bible school is located in uh, uh, Great Britain in London. Mm -hmm. uh, we are yep. working here as a branch. So uh, we have five to six uh, 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 permanent teachers. So we give them uh, uh, courses. We have a certificate program, diploma program, and advanced diploma uh, programs. Hmm. So is that like a one-year diploma? Yes. No, no, two-year diploma, one-year certificate, two year diploma, okay. and three years yeah. advanced certificate. Hmm. Hmm. So uh, you are a full-time pastor, yeah. um, part-time teacher, professor, um, and obviously a family man with four yeah. kids. Um, uh, got any hobbies? Anything you do for fun? <laughs> In all your free time? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like walking. Uh, I like jogging. And uh, okay. I like soccer. Playing okay. soccer. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Uh, yeah, that, those are my hobbies. So, so were you cheering for Canada in the oh, World yeah. Cup? Oh, yeah. We were cheering all, but, you know, <laughs> they quickly lose it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yes. But they got in. That's, a, got that's in. an yeah, amazing that's uh, accomplishment for the, Canada. You can see yeah. the future. Yeah. The future is bright for them. Uh, there is stress in hockey than in soccer. All the African, African mm. and Middle Eastern immigrants will love soccer. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, uh, hockey is going to be very popular and uh, soccer is going to be very popular too, very soon in Canada. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, it continues to grow in popularity yeah. for sure, uh, especially with uh, so many new Canadians coming to Canada. I, I, and I celebrate that because, I mean, that, in the rest of the world, soccer is huge oh, as yeah. a sport. Is it big in Eritrea? Oh, yeah. The, 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 there are two most important things that you try in your life. Number one is soccer. <laughs> and the next okay. one is cycling. So okay. if you have found anybody from Eritrea, you don't ask him, do you play soccer? Everybody plays soccer. It's just a given. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, we are also in love with cycling also. Are there some beautiful cycling uh, roads there? I guess with the elevations yes. changing yes. so much, it must be incredible yes. for cycling. As I have told you, you can experience three seasons in two hours, just going from the highland to the lowland. So, mm. yeah, we have uh, popular uh, uh, cyclists in the world stage at this time, too. Mm. Like mm. Biniam Gurmai, Henok Lubrhan. Daniel, these are uh, uh, competing in the first class in elite group uh, around oh, wow. the, okay. uh, in the world stages. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I got us a little bit sidetracked from this Bible school uh, okay. question. Uh, the workers you're training, what, what, what are you hoping for? When they, when they finish their uh, certificates or diplomas, uh, are they hoping to get into ministry, to do mission overseas? What, what's, what's the goal with those workers? The, the goal is, the first priority is to help them grow in their giftedness. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and their giftedness will lead them to, to the, uh, uh, their, their purpose in life, right? So what we do is uh, we just advertise anybody who wants to come and take those courses. But we stress okay. they should yep. be uh, to be leaders or leaders. Uh, we mm. stress that every leader every leader has to have some qualifications. Uh, okay. You know, uh, we were, it, it's, it's, a, it's bad news that with all this passion and the Lord is doing amazing and miraculous uh, works of God, most of our leaders, they incline to the new movements Mm. Uh, what I mean by the new movement is, is that uh, uh, there is this new gospel that the church is suffering from, uh, which is the prosperity gospel. Uh, yeah. And in, it's, a, it's a, like a wildfire that is burning all the African churches at this time. Okay. It's very, yeah. very terrible, yeah. you know. You, hmm. We can't deny that that the African churches are poor, but the ministers are getting richer and richer and richer. They're living yeah. in mansions yeah. and they are owning. The uh, prosperity gospel works for the few, but it doesn't work on the ground with the exactly, many. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. there are also hmm. false practices, like uh, hmm. prophesying, deliverance, that they are practicing in the name of Jesus, but it's not actually the uh, true practices of the Holy Spirit, you know? So our, mm. our people is also inclined in that or becoming deceived. So opening up a Bible school, it's very crucial for us. Now, all the... Mm. All the uh, trainees that they have in our Bible, that they have been in our Bible school, have been saying that, where have we been? We didn't know all these truths. Are mm. we really, really, truly yeah. saved? That's what they are saying. So uh, mm. we are giving much emphasis on training them and equipping them uh, for uh ministry work for preaching and teaching especially yeah yeah so you're you're combating uh some false teaching and and maybe even some heresy yes. that um is there and bringing them into the truth of the gospel and um preparing them for for kingdom work and and some of them may never be like like clergy necessarily in churches, but they're going to be leaders in churches. And that's probably what you 
your need the most right now? Yes. Uh, what we do in a church is, you know, during, uh, for the pulpit supply, it's not only up to the senior pastor to preach every Sunday. We share the pulpit together. Uh-huh. Uh, there are, there yeah. are a lot of okay. people that they can minister, they can preach and teach. You can see the giftedness in that, in those areas, in much. Um, mm. But these services of preaching and teaching needs also trainings. You have to know what the sound doctrine is. Yeah. You have to know how to yeah. hermeneutics, how to uh, preach and doing uh, uh, homiletics, you know? So we, mm-hmm. we, we didn't have much opportunities and much uh, 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 chances to, to get trained, but uh, with this limited uh, resources, we are at least doing a little thing to help the Eritrean church uh, grow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it's it's tremendous the work you're doing. I mean, especially, I mean, first of all, your your churches are, are probably on average lower income than, um, say, the average Canadian church, but also the cost of education, particularly Christian higher education is pretty high, right? So it would never be accessible to the, the workers in there. So you're meeting a very significant need. Now it's, it's very low cost too. I think you were saying. It's, it's 100 Canadian dollar for one course. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, a, a, a regular course would be 12 times to 15 yeah. times that for uh, somewhere yeah. else. So that's yeah. incredible. I tried yeah. myself to go for a master's program. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> when I see uh, what I have in my hand and what uh, uh, the tuition fees are is incredibly high. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, it is. It is costly. I mean, education in yeah, general is costly, is. but is. Um, Christian education is higher because uh, you don't receive government subsidy, and so you have exactly. to rely on yeah. tuitions and, and on donors to to make yeah. a go of it. Well, when you and I last spoke, I, I asked you this question. I asked you what what is it that you dream about for the next ten years in your church. And uh, you, you talked quite a bit about your vision. Uh, so I wonder if you could share that with us. What do you dream about the next 10 years? That's a good question. And it's very challenging also, right? Uh, as a church, uh, we are planning to be a sending church. Uh, hmm. It's not a matter of being small or big. It is a matter of having a heart for the Great Commission. Uh, hmm. As I have told you, um, we came from that uh, tiny country in East Africa, but we have gone through many countries. So we know the need in there. Also Mm. in our home country, there are uh, nine ethnic groups, the only rich 
uh, ethnic group is the Tigrinya, the, 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 the largest ethnic group. But the other eight ethnic groups are not uh, reached. I mean, there are uh, a lot of uh, uh, measurements what makes one people group of one uh, ethnic group uh, reach it or unreach it. Uh, there are no churches of each of those uh, ethnic groups so far. Hmm. But we have people from those ethnic groups. So what we are trying to do is to train them wherever they are and try to send them back home and do the ministry if they have this passion. And hmm. also, when wow. we go through Sudan, we have seen the, the demand. So um, it's, it's really uh, a land of witchcraft, a land of uh, yeah. uh, where demonic uh, activities are high. And uh, yeah, we need to, to, to go there and preach the gospel too. Uh, we, we have the mm. same culture with Sudanese people. We, we, we share the same culture. Uh, we can easily communicate the gospel to them. And to the Somali uh, community or to the Somali people also. So we have hmm. a shared culture. We can, we, can, we can go. And we have also already some missionaries, some international missionaries that are working hard in trying to uh, reach uh, those people. The Beja people is the majority people in, in East Africa. So mm. they, 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 they are scattered uh, in Eritrea, in Sudan, in Egypt, all the way to Yemen. So mm. these people are unreached. So are, are those... Are those workers um, affiliated with your church or just you, you're affiliated with a movement they're part uh, of? We have one worker who is uh, a member of our church. Hmm. Uh, okay. And he's preparing himself and uh, his family. Uh, his wife is studying to be a nurse. She already, she already graduated. Uh, they are preparing to take off for uh, uh, mission work in uh, some areas mm. for the Beja tribe. Wow. Yeah. And uh, there are also others who are very passionate, but you know, they need training and uh, backup. And uh, uh, this, is, this is new for us. We, 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 we need more wisdom and trainings. Uh, uh, in how to do effectively. Uh, these are our passion at this time. Also, uh, Canada, Canada is becoming the center of, uh, you know, all the ethnic groups are coming from uh, different sides of the world to Canada. So yeah. Yeah. we are also lucky that we are now going <laughs> that much but they are coming so uh, we need to be prepared for that too 
the yes. Great Commission is go to all the peoples, to all the nations. Yes. And uh, as a pastor yes. and leader, and I want to see that. I want to see that happening in my life. I myself mm. want to go somewhere to try, just to try myself. If I am really, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and God in his foresight and sovereignty has has brought all of the nations to our doorstep here yeah. in Canada. And what a yeah. great opportunity we have to um, to share the good news of Christ with, with all of Very them. True. Um, so now, I mean, I'd thank you for sharing your story. I mean, two imprisonments, uh, nine days of walking in the dark, six years in Sudan, 2011, you're here in Canada, you get off the plane and you plant a church and continue the work that you've been doing all along. And through prayer and trusting in the Lord, he has continued to grow and, and to prosper your church. And now he wants to multiply the good work he's doing there and send people to the ends of the earth. Is that a good yes, summary? You perfectly summarized it. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks yeah. be to God. And uh, thank you for sharing with us today. Uh, I appreciate your heart and your passion and your desire to see uh, Jesus' kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks for you your time are today. Welcome. Thank you so much. But I apologize for my English. I should have apologized for, at the very beginning. But hope everybody understands. Yes. No, I, I think it's coming through loud and clear. So um, not a worry about yeah. that. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. And uh, hope to have you on the show again here sometime in the it's future. My pleasure. Thank you, Rob. All right. God, God bless. bless. You've been listening to the Church of the North podcast, a production of Briarcrest College and Seminary. For more information about the podcast, visit churchinthenorth.ca. To learn more about Briarcrest, visit briarcrest.ca. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard today, please share this episode with other ministry leaders. 